Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, more promises, but few details from the Bible translation industry. We'll have the latest from Wycliffe Bible Translators. And a former World Vision staffer gets 12 years in prison after an Israeli court found that he aided a terrorist group. But his supporters, including World Vision itself, say he's innocent. We begin today with the story of Matt Chandler, who's taking a leave of absence from his role as pastor of Village Church. Yeah, the Dallas area megachurch pastor will take a leave of absence after admitting on Sunday that a social media relationship that he had with a woman who is not his wife, while not romantic or sexual, was, and these are the words that he used, unguarded and unwise. Chandler was asked to take a leave after an internal investigation by a private law firm concluded that his behavior was inappropriate for someone in his position. The elder board at the Village Church said in a statement that the timeline for his return will be dictated by the expectations the elders have laid out for his development. The pastor said in a video message posted on the church's website Sunday that he recognized that the frequency and familiarity of his communication with the woman was wrong and said that his inability to see the relationship as inappropriate revealed something not right, something unhealthy in me, and said the village church cannot be a place that does not hold its pastors and elders accountable. The review was initiated after an individual confronted Chandler several months ago with concerns about his communication with the woman on Instagram. The statement said that Chandler had shared the concerns with his wife, Lauren, and two elders the same evening he learned about them and submitted to their leadership in addressing the situation. The review led the elders board to conclude that Chandler had violated the church's internal social media use policies. They added that while the overarching pattern of his life has been above reproach, he failed to meet the First Timothy standard for elders being above reproach in this particular instance. The elders called the leave of absence both disciplinary and developmental, encouraging Chandler to develop better awareness around boundaries during his leave. Next, on Tuesday, the former director of Christian ministry World Vision's work in Gaza was sentenced to 12 years in prison for allegedly transferring ministry funds to the terrorist organization Hamas. Yeah, Mohammed El Halabi, who had already spent six years in prison as his trial waged on, uh, plans to appeal this decision. In June, a court in Beersheba found him guilty of terrorism charges, citing classified information that has been kept from the public. The guilty verdict and a confession El Halabi made to investigators under duress also remain classified. Uh, in a statement, World Vision called the sentence deeply disappointing and in sharp contrast to the evidence and facts of the case. And they added, World Vision emphatically condemns any and all acts of terrorism or support for such activities. We reject any attempt to divert humanitarian resources or exploit 
exploit the work of aid organizations operating anywhere, and we do not see any evidence of these things in this case. Well, Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, our latest report about the Bible translation industry. Today, we have new news about Wycliffe Bible translators. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and we'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, up next, the story we promised before the break. Recently, Wycliffe USA announced it would be joining with eight other groups to work on a Bible translation efforts in Southeast Asia. The project involves seven of the region's language communities. But Ministry Watch sought more details on this Bible translation effort, where it's taking place, the timeline, and what other organizations were collaborating with Wycliffe. We were not able to find out the answers to any of these questions. Wycliffe declined to name the other organizations that are collaborating on the project due to what they called sensitivities of the local context. It refused to name the country for security reasons. Um, the spokesperson for Wycliffe that we talked with say, said that the project would probably be about three years in length, but it's not clear if that means the actual Bible translations will be finished in this time. Is this sort of vagueness normal? Well, for the Bible translation industry, unfortunately, it is. The Bible translation industry raises more than $500 million every year, but completes uh, a translation of less than 20 Bibles per year. Uh, at this rate, it'll take more than 100 years and more than $50 billion to provide a Bible translation for every language on the planet. Yet, if you read the fundraising materials of Wycliffe and many other Bible translation organizations, you would get the false impression that the job of Bible translation is almost finished, that progress is much faster than it really is, and that Bible translations are much cheaper than they actually are. They use language like last languages campaign or finishing the task in their fundraising materials, language that clearly doesn't align with the facts on the ground. Our next story involves a group in New York that is part of the Quiverful Movement. First of all, Warren, can you explain what the Quiverful Movement is? 
Yeah, I think so. The movement is based on a verse in Psalm 127, two verses actually, four and five. Uh, The verses are these, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Uh, It's a movement within evangelicalism that encourages couples to have lots of children, to have big families. Okay, so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Well, no, that's exactly right. Uh, but it is a bit countercultural. In fact, the average uh, family size in this country has now slipped uh, slightly below four. And in many countries around the world, it is uh, barely above three uh, people per family, one to two children per family. And so often these families that have, you know, lots of children find each other and form support groups. In the case of this particular group in New York, they not only formed a support group, but they formed a church and kind of lived together in community. The Christian Fellowship Center is in the tiny town of Madrid, New York, an hour from the Canadian border. And on Sundays, families with five, six, seven, as many as 12 well-behaved children will speak in tongues at this non-denominational Pentecostal church. It's one of five CFC, Christian Fellowship Center, churches in the area, led since 1981 by a man named Rick Sinclair, who calls himself the senior pastor of this particular movement. But now troubling accusations about the church and its leadership are becoming public. Yeah, on May 29th of this year, the sanctuary in Madrid, New York, was filled with church members uh, who had come to discuss a news article that had been published a week earlier in the local newspaper, and it reported that Sean Ferguson, who is one of the members of CFC, uh, his husband, father, had been charged with first-degree sexual assault of a child. And days later, Sean Ferguson's sister tweeted that CFC had known about Sean Ferguson's abuse for five years and had not done anything about it. Police records indicate and the New York State Police confirm that Sean Ferguson was charged in 2022 with having sexually abused his two young daughters in 2015. Yeah, at the May meeting, uh, Pastor Rick Sinclair defended his decision not to report Ferguson's abuse to police, Child Protective Services, or to the broader CFC community. But now a lot of former church members aren't buying his explanation. That's right. Seven former members have formed a group called CFC2, named after the Me Too movement, a group of advocates who published an open letter on May 31st. And the open letter said in part this, we are survivors of abuse at Christian Fellowship Center. We've experienced spiritual, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse at the hands of CFC leaders and members. The group offered firsthand accounts from those who allege abuse at CFC. That's right. According to Abby Nye, a CFC2 advocate who attended CFC until about 2005, 18 individuals have so far shared stories of physical or sexual abuse with CFC2. Now, there's a lot more to this story, Natasha, and it's still a developing story, so we'll be revisiting it in the months ahead. In the meantime, I recommend that our listeners read the complete story on the Ministry Watch website. We have a lot more background about this group and the Quiverful movement there. 
Or let's look at one more story before we take a break. And it's about a topic that we don't cover much here at Ministry Watch. It's the online gaming and cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's right. We don't cover it a lot because it doesn't usually relate very much to Christian ministries. But increasingly, those worlds and the Christian ministry world are coming together. Uh, when you look at NFTs, um, that's a, an acronym for non-fungible tokens, online gaming, cryptocurrency, those are all kind of, um, you know, fashion forward financial instruments, you might say. Compassion International, though, a large Christian ministry based right where you are, Natasha, in Colorado Springs, is exploring these and other innovations as it tries to connect with new supporters, especially younger supporters, and prepares itself for what it's calling Web 3.0, the metaverse and beyond. With fewer Americans donating to charity, the 70-year-old $1 billion ministry is working to find new ways to engage younger believers. Yeah, during its first few decades, Compassion uh, found new supporters uh, through Christian magazines and commercials on religious radio programs. And in fact, they were sort of leading edge in their day for doing that sort of thing. And during the past few decades, again, they innovated by sponsoring Christian concerts. Uh, That was a major means for reaching new child sponsors. Now the ministry is preparing for the Compassion of Tomorrow. A major step in that process was to auction off 5,000 pieces of digital art, the so-called NFTs or non-fungible tokens, by an artist named Patrick Bizalil, a longtime supporter who sponsors children through Compassion in Haiti. Many Hands, a collection of Haitian images, created completely in virtual reality and released as non-fungible tokens, sold out in 25 minutes. It raised $220,000 for college scholarships to benefit young people in that troubled country. In May, the ministry reached out to the online gaming community with two weeks of light, bringing more than 30 Christian content creators and streamers to the video game live streaming service Twitch. Yeah, respected gamers took dares from the audience. One, for example, was a pie in the face to raise funds to build 25 computer labs for 4,200 compassion-assisted children in Bolivia. Now, I know that sounds a little bit silly, um, perhaps to some of our listeners, but the effort is connecting compassion with uh, folks that they might not connect through Christian radio or Christian concerts. And uh, they've identified, in fact, more than a thousand new possible supporters and, of course, generated some buzz in the online community as well. In April, Compassion made it easier for people to donate cryptocurrency by expanding its work with Quantum Metric, which is an international firm also based in Colorado Springs that helps companies connect with its customers. Founded in 2015, the firm has worked with Compassion since 2018. We're going to take another break. When we return our weekly round of ministry news, I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. 
Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, I want to make sure to highlight our profile of In Touch Ministries, the outreach of longtime pastor, Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, It's been growing significantly in the past uh, few years, which is significant in and of itself, considering that Dr. Stanley is nearly 90 years old. It now takes in more than $100 million a year. So we did a deep dive into the finances of the organization. And if you're a supporter of or a listener to uh, Dr. Charles Staley, I recommend that you check out our profile. Well, don't just leave us hanging. Did you find anything there that caused you concern? Well, in fact, over the past few years, um, we did see a tripling of its cash assets. Now the organization has more than $54 million in cash, uh, more than $100 million in total assets. That's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. So we asked the president and CEO of the organization, Philip Bowen, why they were um, holding on to so much uh, cash. And he says that they are repositioning the ministry uh, to uh, use the surplus in new and different ways, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Uh, they're going to be getting into new ministries and, of course, transitioning for the time when Dr. Stanley will no longer be a part of the ministry. Uh, we plan to follow up in the months ahead to check on their progress. And we're following a developing story in South Carolina. Yeah, a Southern Baptist congregation in South Carolina is conducting an investigation regarding the possible misappropriation of church funds. In a letter dated June 29, 2022, First Baptist of Spartanburg, one of the largest churches in the state, informed members that the results of an annual audit revealed potential irregularities in the financial claims of our church administrator and weaknesses in our financial controls. Members were informed that David Dennis, First Baptist Chief Administration Officer, was placed on administrative leave and had subsequently resigned. Yeah, and I should also mention that the church's longtime pastor, Don Wilton, announced his retirement last week. His decision to retire appears to have little to do with the investigation, though in his resignation address to the congregation, he did mention that the investigation had placed a cloud over the church, and he felt that it was time for new leadership. Now, uh, some of you might know Don Wilton's name. Pastor Wilton was sometimes called Billy Graham's pastor, and he published a book last year called Saturdays with Billy. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? 
Well, we've got the Navigators uh, in the ministry spotlight once again, uh, <laughs> ministry there in Colorado Springs where you are, Natasha. It uh, began in 1933 with a, um, a focus on discipleship to help Christians learn and grow spiritually. And I've got to say that the founder, Dawson Trotman, was an early hero of mine. If you've never read his biography, Dawes, I highly recommend that book. Um, now the organization has a variety of ministries, including a publishing company, Company, NAF Press, a spiritual retreat center, which is the Glenary Castle, and the Colorado Conference Center there in the Springs, outdoor camps, which include Eagle Lake camps, and they also have missionaries serving in, well, virtually everywhere, Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, Latin America, North and South America, and the Middle East as well. What sort of ratings do the Navigators get from Ministry Watch? Well, they get good, but I would say not great ratings. They get uh, our donor confidence score 75 out of a possible 100. Now, that does mean give with confidence, but barely. Um, it has a two-star financial efficiency rating. That's two stars out of five stars. And I think the probably the most... Um, you know, noteworthy thing is they do not release their form 990s to the public, which means that they get a C transparency grade rather than an A transparency grade. I should also mention, though, that the organization has been growing fairly significantly and it now has over $157 million in annual revenue. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, yeah, a couple of quick items. First of all, I want to make sure that everyone takes a look at Phil Cook's article on our website. It's called The Loyalty Obsession, Why It's Hurting Churches and Ministries. Now, Phil Cook says that loyalty is good, uh, but being too loyal uh, can cause us to overlook dangerous behavior. And I think Phil's article is a timely one for evangelicals right now. And I also want to remind everybody that if you made a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of August, you'll receive a free one-year subscription to World Magazine. We had such a great response to that offer that we've decided to extend it a few days through the Labor Day weekend. So if you thought you'd miss the offer, don't despair. It's still up on our website. This is a fantastic opportunity to pick up a subscription to World and support our work at the same time. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sadith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Anne Steich, Bob Smetania, Kim Roberts, Catherine Post, Rod Pitzer, and Steve Raby. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.